All right, we are live. So once, hi everyone. I'm really excited to interview and host Tasia Federova and Meher Nigam. A few months ago, I I was in a conference of AI for AC, and there was a, a discussion about like how AC data is messy and it's unorganized and what the need of synthetic data and then i came across their work and it's very uh, cutting edge and it's very uh, radical and i thought it would be great if i can host them and share their process of how they develop uh, their research work and what were the challenges so i'm 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 very excited and i look forward to this session thanks a lot guys for your time to do this thank you yeah, thank you thank you mayor yeah so uh, if uh, Stasia, first, uh, if you can uh, share your career with us and what were some highlights of it? Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Um, basically, I started studying bachelor in Moscow, in Moscow Architectural Institute. Uh, then I moved to Italy for Erasmus. And here, strangely, I was super excited about this program. But here is the place where I got uh, slightly disappointed about architecture. And I saw that it doesn't really respond to the need needs of the society. And the process itself was um, rather disappointing. Uh, so I came back to Moscow and I found this um, other opportunity to learn programming and to improve uh, different processes in AC industry with uh, programming and machine learning. And um, that's how I got into it. And when I came uh, again to Italy for my master program, um, I studied as much as I could about programming, uh, data science, deep learning in Politecnico di Milano to uh, integrate uh, all my knowledge into different pipelines. And then I had um, uh, different chances to do this on practice with um, um, internships and different pro projects. Uh, and um, well, and then I started working in the fashion design industry and automating different uh, fashion uh, pipelines. And, and obviously working with data, data science in fashion. And uh, in parallel, I was developing my research on uh, the use of data science in architecture and especially AI. And I'm particularly interested in GANs. So uh, this is uh, where my current research interest lies. And I presented my work in several conferences. Um, just to answer briefly why so uh, such variety from fashion to urban planning to architecture. Uh, honestly, I believe that all the design is is design. It's it, everything is about product design. So you design, you can design a lamp, you can design um, an interior, a room, um, a house, a city, or um, a shirt. And it, it's all about design. You just need to, to take into consideration different requirements. But basically, it's all the same thing. And uh, I like everything. Yeah, that's super interesting. And like honestly, I've you are the second or third person I have met who has like architecture and computer science uh, background, like uh, academically. And I feel there is uh, much need in this uh, time of like those multidisciplinary education and approach. Amazing. Uh, Meher, would you like to share us your career highlights and research work and thoughts? Um, I just completed my bachelor's from IIIT Hyderabad in india and uh, i am a cs graduate uh thing uh in the last two years of my uh bachelor's studies i actually joined the computer vision lab in which my research mostly focused on 3d deep learning and in that process i initially started working with uh, warehouse environments and there was a particular need that i felt that uh, there were not there was not a lot of 3d data so you can obviously get 2d images those are fairly easy to scan you can move a camera around and take photos but when you need 3d information the getting that data is very difficult and even if you have sensors like lidars or depth sensors those that kind of data when you capture it's sparse and it's not exactly annotated uh this brought me to the intersection of getting synthetic data uh, to actually train your deep learning models. And the, basically the overall aim is you train on synthetic and uh, you translate those results to real world. That's how synthetic data helps you. For that, your synthetic data needs to be photorealistic or it needs to be uh, so varied that it will, when trained on that, it will also work on real world. Uh, 
in this process i actually came across uh, came across with the person who introduced uh, uh, me with stasia and uh, in that the aim was to basically be able to reconstruct uh, buildings from a single image so, and at, if not a, a perfect reconstruction at least get a re reconstruction till the level uh, like you can architects can start building upon it uh in that process we realized that there is not a lot of 3d information for buildings available and stasia joined the team and she had she was building a 3d uh, uh generator for buildings and that's where i kind of got involved with her and i gave my inputs and it's more majorly her work but uh, that's how i joined this project and how i am involved and that's kind of been my research as well i see and i I was about to ask, like, uh, the team looks like they're all over the world, and like, how was the collaboration? Oh, yeah. Who who started it, and like, how it all came together before we move on to the paper? Okay, yeah, so, there... uh, okay, uh, Sasha, go. Uh, yeah, there is a person whose name is Alberto Tono. Um, he is Italian, but he lives in the United States. And um, he, it was his idea. He is um, affiliated with uh, Computational Design Institute. That is, um, I think, in well, in California, San Francisco. In San Francisco, yeah, particularly, uh, and um, it was his idea that architecture needs um, this project that is um, on three D deep learning, on or how we can call it geometric deep learning, and for that we need data. So our project with synthetic data set is the first step in that big pipeline, and he brought together all our team, which is also uh, Cecilia Bolognesi. Um, from Politecnico di Milano, from Italy. Um, I came across them, um, Meher, and um, now we have um, two new members. Mm, and uh, we are all over the world, uh, really, like from um, um, this new US, girl. US, India, Italy, and uh, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, she's from Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that, that's, I think, uh... That's super uh, cool because like there are people with different uh, background, different culture and different uh, academic background as well. So that brought a lot of different perspective into the research work. I know we have a lot of amazing uh, content lined up about the paper and code. So I'll hand over to Stasia for uh, going deeper into the paper and the work. Mm. Yeah, maybe first of all, I'll um, present the video that we prepared for the conference uh, ISPRS where this paper was published. Um, and I'll give a few comments and then we will go through the paper to see it more in detail. So basically our work is um, synthetic 3D buildings generator, which generates synthetic 3D data. Why did we decide to do this project? Because well, uh, the problem is that uh, there are almost no large open source architectural data sets. Actually, there are known that would satisfy all the requirements. And why is it so? Because even construction of a one single architectural model is particularly difficult and time consuming and effort consuming, which we know because one architectural project lasts for one semester and a student is able to build just one model and all this this time. And also there is no standardization as we all know because everyone just does what he's used to do and um, it is not, not good for deep learning. So our idea was to create a standardized set of buildings uh, that would be created in a short amount of time. And for this synthetic data is the best solution because we can also generate an, uh, different annotations that could be used for various deep learning tasks. Here in our data set, we have annotations, such annotations as segmentation masks, normal maps and um, depth map. And obviously the rendered image. For now, we're using, uh, we're generating buildings of these uh, five types, which are building envelope shapes. And we're able to generate um, an infinite amount, like not an infinite, but a large amount of buildings in a relatively short time. On GPU, we are able to generate more than 100 models uh, in less than an hour. These models are not yet beam models, but they are presented in different 3D types as a point cloud, as a separated mesh, and as a single mesh, which is needed for several deep learning frameworks. And we're using the techniques that Meher talked about previously, which are different randomization techniques. So we're using light randomization, 
we're using um, texture randomization and components randomization, which again is very useful in deep learning tasks as it um, allows for the models to converge faster um, and uh, to, to be used on uh, different data and to generalize. We are also randomizing the uh, component types and placement uh, and uh, the view of the camera. Obviously, all of these parameters can be customized according to the user's needs. Um, with this research, we are hoping to uh, increase the speed of uh, the introduction of programming and machine learning into the AEC industry. Also because it is a very vast space where um, many processes can be automated. Uh, also, it's not only AEC industry that can benefit from it because 3D models of buildings are used also in other fields, for example, uh, in computer industry, in, in gaming industry. So if someone wants to create a large um, computer games, large world, um, he can use uh, our 3D synthetic building generator and um, uh, the consequent deep learning models that um, we will create or that will be created with the use of our data set. So um, now I can um, share the screen with the paper if, um, and we can go through it. Maybe, um, I don't know, maybe you guys want to comment or to ask any questions. It would be great if something is not clear or if I forgot to mention something. Um, yes, but um, basically what we are um, talking about here is um, in this paper, we are um, making an overview of the related work, which are the existing 3D data sets uh, that are mostly used in deep learning tasks which are, uh, which can be mesh, walk cell and uh, point cloud data sets, but they are all mostly related not to the architectural tasks, which doesn't let us use it in AC industry, which is very unfortunate. Uh, here we make an overview of these data sets and we uh, classify them based on the number of classes, samples and um, different annotations that are present. There is also a number of architectural data sets so it's not like our industry is completely empty. No, no, there's someone working on that. Uh, but um, what we didn't like about these data sets and why we could not use them in our tasks is because um, they are on the scale that is different from the one that we need. So we divided uh, data sets on, on scale level where zero is the city scale, so urban data sets, and one is the building scale and two is the interior scale. So there are multiple data sets that are using the interior scale. And um, while we know it, um, many of them are synthetic and uh, models work uh, quite well on them. For example, CNET or interior net or even Metroport 3D. And there are multiple, um, <clears throat> multiple data sets on the urban scale, which can be of different level of detail. Um, level of detail for those who do not know this term is um, how detailed the buildings are. So they can be just building envelopes or they can be more detailed having windows and roof or they may have also internal structure and furniture inside. So, but however, these are not suitable for our needs. The only data set that is actually suitable for our needs is Gibson data set, which is both, both buildings and interior scale but it is um, pretty small. It just have, has um, 572 scenes, which for our aim was not enough. So um, based on the results uh, and based on the research that involves synthetic data and domain adaptation, we have decided to create our synthetic data set. And we um, put a list of requirements for um, <clears throat> for this data set, which is the sufficient, uh, sufficient size of the data set, which is the problem with the Gibson data set, class balance, um, or being customizable to the user's needs. So if I want just one class in my data task, I can use it, I can, I can do it with my generator. The modularity of data and being able to add different modules, uh, which we will talk about later too. 
um, diversity and variation in data, different ground truth signals, which allows the users to apply our data sets to different AC processes, which is why we introduce segmentation mask, depth map, normal map, um, <coughs> point cloud, and rendered image. Uh, probably later we can add even more. It, again, it depends on the user needs. Uh, and um, associated meta metadata generation. And um, it should be, again, extend uh, easily extendable and modular to be able to use many different classes, modules, and components of the buildings. And um, well, yes, and here you can see the examples of our images which slightly changed in the recent time because uh, we have been updating this data set and I will show it to you later. Um, <clears throat> so here, we're, here we have four different annotation types, mesh model and a point cloud. And this mesh model can also be presented as a single mesh and as a separate parts to be used, for example, in partnet framework uh, for other tasks for um, 3D segmentation, for example. And here are the examples of uh, domain randomization where we can show the different um, lights, uh, different light used on the same building or different view system used on the same building or different materials. Um, and the performance, as I've already mentioned, it was um, producing more than 100 image, images of 500 by 500 dimensions in less than an hour on GPU. And it's slightly more than an hour if using CPU. The um, aspect that increases the generation time is the complexity of the model, the size of the generated model, because then there are more, more components, more, um, more windows, more balconies to be generated. Uh, and um, sometimes the uh, EXR component, which can be switched off in order to increase the um, uh, performance. And um, now I can show you the um, code structure. Uh, very um, I have a question. Yes, yes, sure. So uh, like, uh, there are like a synthetic data set uh, generator like using stochastic rule-based uh, modeling like where I can have like a random texture selector random building height like how uh, uh, deep learning provided like better results compared to the rule-based approach mm, um, I, I'm sorry I'm not sure if I understood the question yeah yeah for example uh, let's say uh, I have like couple of variables like texture, building height, building width, and windows. Yeah. And uh, they have a range like 10 to 20 or something. And I have like a a, a code based, like rule-based code that, okay, select random height, select random texture, and it will be able to generate like a building out of it. So how like a rule-based approach uh, uh, variation is like, uh, less better or like not better than deep learning based approach? Uh, well, I think maybe I did not explain it well. In, in the generation of the data set, we're not using deep learning. We're using more rule-based approach. But this is used for the deep learning tasks later. So when we want to generate a 3D building from a picture, so say, for example, from a rendered image or from a sketch, which is what architects now do manually. So you first make a concept sketch and then you make a concept model to be approved by your boss or uh, your client or whatever. We wanted to use this data set in order to automate this task. So that's why we produce renders. Uh, we can produce also sketch images and we we're producing also 3D models. And the idea was to teach a deep learning net to um, generate 3D buildings from the rendered images, which is, I think, uh, well, you obviously understand that this cannot be done by a rule-based approach, or it would be just too complicated because there are too many parameters in architecture and uh, too many components and recognizing all of these parameters and components from a single image or from a set, even from a set of parameters and generating a model is, well. I, <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. That, 
that uh, makes a lot of sense like i it clarifies a lot of things and mm-hmm. uh, one uh, one thing like so if if it's a rule based uh, approach for generating it like uh, how did you like ensure like it's the data set is diverse and like you have covered like a good spectrum okay uh, i ensured it by introducing many different modules and by using the random sampling which uh, allows us to use a variety of mo- of uh, components textures lights and number of vo- volumes that is diverse um that is different in every sample um, mayur i would uh, like to uh, put put in something here so it's not as if the generator is limited to what sasia uh, worked on so Stasia must have provided uh, a certain range of rotation, a certain range of sizes, but that's obviously uh, flexible. Like it's made such that it is flexible, and you can change the parameters according to your need. So you can provide any number of textures. You can change the range of rotation or the size of the windows according to your need. So the, depending on the kind of data set you want, it's it's flexible that way. So there is no limitation as to what kind of diversity you can create. Got yes, it. So it's basically the pipeline. Yeah, yeah, the it's the pipeline, and what you see right now is just a subset of what one particular configuration of settings, a certain number yeah. of textures, and so on. Yes, yes, exactly. A certain number of size. Yeah, a certain range of uh, parameters. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe to make it a bit more clear, which it wasn't before. Yeah. Uh, I can show you the scheme, which is like. Uh, a very high level, um, let's say, explanation of how the data set generation pipeline is. So there is one data set that is composed of different buildings. Uh, here it is one same building, but they, they are all different in, in the data set, obviously. Uh, each building is composed as an architecture of different volumes and different number of volumes. Um, which is something that can be customizable. So you can limit the number of volumes. You can add your own systems to uh, put these volumes together. Now we just have five main classes that we have defined, which is a single building, a skyscraper, a C-shaped building, an L-shaped building, uh, and a patio building, which is, well, a square with a hole in the middle, for those who don't know. Um, and But user can add as many classes as he wants, provided that he defines how these volumes are um, put together, which also makes this, uh, which also provides the variety that the user needs in this data set. Each volume has its own modules and uh, same as in architecture, the windows, the roof, the doors, um, and there can be as many modules as the user wants. So you can add pipes. Uh, you can add chimney pipes, you can add uh, the, the basement, the foundation, the stairs, um, the columns, pillars, whatever decoration you would like to add to the building, um, the balcony, which we already have, as you've seen in the video, etc., etc. Again, based on uh, what one needs. And uh, then there is the applier, which defines how this module is applied to the volume, because well, each volume has a set of modules, and these volumes can be applied in different ways, which also ensures that every building is diverse and is different from the other, as in real life. So we have defined several types of applicate of module applications, which are, uh, which is the limitation of this data set. They are based on a grid approach. So. Um, it can be a regular grid, it can be uh, made as random rows or a single row. For, uh, I made it on the window example, it can be, windows can be applied in columns or as a single column, it can be applied as a single piece, a single placement. So I'm sure you've all seen examples where there's just one window in the wall and it can be applied as random, but again, um, based on the grid structure. Um, this is a limitation that we are going to overcome in the future. And um, it is made, this code is made in a way for the user to be able to add these modules in as easy way as possible, because basically you just take the base class, any base class of those presented here, the volume, the module, or the applier, 
Mm, and you write your own applier as you would like to see it and you add it to the factory so the factory can produce this module or produce this applier. In case of the module or the texture, it is even more simple because sometimes you can just add your own texture in the folder or you can add your own um, OBG or 3D component in the folder and it will be used in the dataset generation. Yeah. I see. So like, uh, if I get it right, maybe the code will make it more clear. So you have like uh, assigned like functions that, okay, module uh, take like this set of textures, go to this folder. And so it's like a step one, step two, step three, collect data and then apply, have a, like a applier, yeah, okay. Yes, exactly, exactly. You got it okay. completely right. That's why we have a, um, let's say, a folder, a folder structure. Well, uh, that is generated, obviously, um, when the code is run. Uh, so um, the, there are modules, textures, um, <clears throat> and um, the outputs are put into these folders. But basically, it's a pipeline where the textures are, are taken from here and you can add your own. I can create concrete one, let's say, or I can create whatever folder and I need to put um, several main maps there, which will allow me to have this material, this texture as a, um, well, as one of the textures used for the building generator. I see. And like, is there a particular data format you require for like size of texture or you do like post-processing and like convert any size into? No, we don't do the post-processing yet. Actually, there is a like, not a requirement, but a suggestion to make this texture look more, um, let's say more realistic, scaled on the building, which is, I think it should be one meter by one meter in, um, <clears throat> Uh, 1024 by 1024. Got it. I think now uh, it makes a lot of clear. So, mm -hmm. uh, mm, if you want, we can dive into code. If yeah, we can dive into code. Um, sorry, you sorry to interrupt. You were saying something. No, 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 no. Uh, it's fine. I thought maybe I can, I could show you the process generation, the, the generation process, and we could dive into, into the code itself. Sure, sure. Whatever you feel. Yeah, go mm -hmm. ahead. Because also maybe the, all the code, um, it will be a bit difficult to cover. So basically what um, all we need to do is to run just one line, which is um, Blender or the path to the Blender application setup.blend and um, use Python script dataset.py. The only thing is that um, we would need to put our parameters here. As you mentioned, Mayor, uh, the <clears throat> minimum and maximum requirements for the buildings, which can be different in different countries. Um, I put the small small numbers here to increase the speed because, as I said, big models require more components and more uh, generation time. The maximum amount of volumes produced, um, the, the types of the buildings, the building envelope types that we have defined, the size of the data set, which is the amount of samples produced, which is three because for the demo, I don't think we need more. Um, <clears throat> And then we have different modules and different rules, which I can change for window. I prefer personally, I prefer um, grid-based window approach. Uh, and for balconies, I prefer column, but I can also use here a grid-based approach or a row approach or any other. So um, how each module, module is um, placed is, is defined in, in this dictionary. And if I want some specific materials to be used for each module, I can also define it in the config file. And if I want the point cloud or some specific number of points in my point cloud, I can also define it. I can define if I need an EXR file for depth map or not. 
texture randomization or not, how many ra render views I would need per model, because I might put 10 and I will have 10 different views from random camera angles. That makes sense, obviously not from the bottom of the building or not from the top, but something that makes sense. Uh, and here I can define uh, names of the folders, where to save the model, the image, the segmentation mask, um, the point cloud, the depth map, the normal map, uh, and where to take the modules from. And we also added an option to have the Blender file in order to have a model that is um, uh, with a hierarchy, well, like a Blender file that is being created to have a hierarchy to be able to change it in case someone needs it. Uh, we can set also the engine and the image size if I need any other size of the image. Uh, and after that, we just need to run it and wait for some time. Why it's saying deleted one object? Yes, yes, it is saying deleted because it also, well, there are some, well, there are many <laughs> passes that uh, the code that are going in the code. So it, it can mix the objects together. It can, um, it, it should also understand where to place different objects and how to place them. And um, well, for that, sometimes you need to create copies and then delete them. Yeah. Also, I'm sorry, guys, my computer is very old, so it might be a while. <laughs> it's, it's always a risk to do like a live demonstration because sometimes it takes a while or some sudden error pops up. So I, I, I really appreciate that you uh, are doing this. No, no, but here no risks because I wrote this code. I know it is good. <laughs> it's, just that, it's just that it's really old and um, well, it, it it takes a while, but uh, here we have our uh, first model. Then it deletes all the build the whole building, and uh, we are creating our second building, and then the third one, which I think Mm. Yeah, so basically, uh, this is our first building generated. You can see that there are balconies, there are windows, which are new windows I'm uh, particularly happy about because uh, before we just used demo windows, which were rectangles of glass. Now we have a frame, which is made of mesh, and it is also randomized because the number of um, vertical and horizontal bars is random and it can be zero, it can be up to um, whatever we set. Uh, we have also the basement and we will be adding, adding more components later on. We're, we're working on this. Uh, and, and the reason we uh, like uh, you're using Blender is like the script calls to open Blender, create a geometry based on like all the wall and height and texture parameters. And then at the end of the pipeline, like rendered image and textures are inserted into the Blender model. Okay. Well, yes, yes. Basically that's why the reason I'm using, uh, we have chosen Blender is because well, Blender is open source. It is available to everyone. It is installed in like literally can be installed in 10 minutes max. And uh, also it is very, very uh, convenient to write scripts because every function is written in Python and you can access its API. And anyone who knows a little bit of programming can also add his own functions there. So it was the main idea to make it accessible to everyone and to make it used. So yeah, so here we have created our three images and we have also the masks, which, now have the the basement, the roof, the windows, and the balcony. 
and here too, and here as well. And we have the, the depth map. And the mask, is it in like, right now it's in image, but for like deep learning task, we might need like a JSON or numeric format. So. Mm -hmm. A JSON or numeric format for what? If, um, I think like uh, for like, I'm thinking like for cycle gain, we might be able to like use like direct image to image, but mm -hmm. uh, what if like there's like classification or prediction problem where we need like the coordinates of windows or the dimension, like numeric values. Yeah, so, well, I think it is pretty easy uh, in this task. If you're talking about object detection, right? If, if I got you right. So say, for example, we take this mask, um, the color, the colors here are quite distinct. That's um, how I have chosen them, the, uh, like how I coded them for the colors to be as far away from each other as possible. So that you can write a very simple code with OpenCV, which will show you coordinates for each object in the mask so that you can do this, the object detection problem. Garden. Um, maybe you're right, it would be great to have a JSON that maps each color to the category uh, and maybe maybe the coordinates. That That is a good, good suggestion, a good suggestion. And um, yeah, because actually we have a JSON, which is this one. Um, it was based on one existing data set. Maybe Meher remembers which one. Um, um, I, uh, I think it was Coco. Uh, it was Coco. Coco data. Mm, yeah, Coco or Kitty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so we used this annotation to annotate our buildings, which is the image size, the camera position, the textures used, um, <clears throat> where all different annotations are stored. What is the focal length? Um, the rotation. Uh, if it is truncated or occluded, and the bounding box of the model. Uh, yeah, and uh, it would be great, now that you said it, to include also the mapping from color to categories, and maybe yeah. um, coordinates of different objects for the object detection task. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah and uh, just to uh, uh, clarify, so the, in the code, like uh, there was like f different rules for different objects, like uh, windows was a uh, grid base, roof was one. So yeah. I'm, uh, and those rules decide the organization of the object in, in the building. So uh, where are those rules defined? And uh, I'm, I'm just curious, like for example, there is a grid uh, size, let's say one meter by one meter. And what if like the window is right at the floor level? Like how do you ensure that the window is not awkwardly placed in that grid? Ah, okay. Well, this is defined on the um, application level. So um, I think it is defined right in the wait. So we have a window module. And if I'm not wrong, it is defined um, either here or, ah, oh, wait, 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 yes. I place an offset. So um, build, uh, a window is usually from 90 centimeters to um, 110 centimeters from the floor height normally. So this is a parameter I put here. And it also can be, can vary. Um, so for example, if I'm a user, I can put um, a random one from, I don't know, from 50 to 1.5. And uh, it, it will be um, a, a, random, um, a random number. But I see. in this case, we were using one meter because it is the standard for um, Europe. Yeah, so like you ensured by like additional rules that it, the data makes sense and it's not generating like non-feasible cases, yeah. 
Yes, yes, because, uh, well, incidental data sets, there can be something that doesn't make sense. Um, if you see, there is a ref one of the references in our paper shows uh, the use of not really the synthetic data that doesn't really make sense for the cars, but uh, the model is able to generalize well because some of these data make, make sense. So textures, light, these parts might not make sense, but some things should. And this is the placement of, of the elements. Yeah, I, I just had a thought. I, mm -hmm. It would be awesome if like there is a web interface where like there is like a height slider, texture slider, and you could create like all the buildings like on the fly or something. Oh, you know, that's a great idea. If you want, we can make a collaboration with you and you can also participate. <laughs> <laughs> but actually it's it's a very, very good idea. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think we can so make just it. Basically yeah. adding a GUI on top of the current code, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because like, I it's think a lot of I definitely a, a, a local UI tool kind of stuff that that is very easy to make quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Good idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like what I feel is like a lot of people are want to experiment, but like uh the setup of Python and error like makes the whole experimentation like less uh mass uh friendly. So if there is like just a website or a exe where people can do it, a lot of people will start experimenting. But actually in our code, basically what you can do, there is a .bat file, which you can click and you don't need to install any Python packages. You don't need to install anything. You just need to install Blender. And that's all you need to do. And then you need to make your data set config if you want, if you don't want, you don't even do it. And you just press this run, run.bat. This was made spe specifically for people who don't want to do anything with coding. Oh, I see. So you have you have that awesome. Yeah, th this one. Yeah. Uh, so, but I think your idea about the GUI is great, and uh, we should think about it definitely. Yeah, I'll I'll check the code and we'll see if I can do like a collab script because even that, yeah, that will also like. People uh, are very comfortable using Google Colab as well. It's just mm -hmm. like plug and play. So when that would be interesting. Yeah, like a playground in a Colab. Mm -hmm. yeah. Awesome, awesome idea. Yeah, so, sorry to disturb your workflow. So. No, no, it's great. Maybe <laughs> do you have any other feedback as, or um, suggestions or ideas? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm interested like uh, in like at what part of the code uh, where you're converting different uh, format like point cloud, PLY and segmentation. Like mm -hmm. mm, actually it is pretty straightforward in Blender because what we are doing um, here we are using our um, renderer class and uh, which has uh, a function render. And this render does all the steps. Uh, let me open it. Yeah, so um, again, um, this was, there, there was an option to do it in a more simpler way for us to code it in, let's say two or three lines with a special package, but this package was very difficult for the users to install especially on Windows. And we have opted for writing more code, but make it with less installations for the user. So um, this part renders, uh, makes a normal render, a, a render of the segmentation mask, um, and then it connects different trees because Blender has its composition trees that determine how your output will look like. So you can make it look like um, a segmentation mask as a depth map and as a normal map. We connect different trees and then we render uh, all these annotations one by one. And when we are talking about um, the point cloud, it is as simple as that. There is a um, Python package called pint cloud, which uh, 
basically allows you to create a point cloud from the PLY format. And, and that's it. And for different um, 3D formats, uh, there is an ex direct export from Blender as an OBG. The only difficulty that there was, uh, was to make a single mesh that some frameworks require, where we needed to combine all the meshes in Blender, but it's, um, well, yeah, it's also a use of one of Blender's functions. I, said, I think that's very smart to use like, uh building functions and library instead of doing it from scratch. And like mm -hmm. the point cloud, is it also segmented? Um, no, no, this point cloud is not segmented. It is just for the reconstruction of the building shape. But again, it is uh, for, the, for the future development of, of the framework to make it segmented and to make it carry also additional information. Yeah. Like uh, one thing I was uh, finding a uh, difficulty because many times there are building data set, but the metadata is very less like, okay, if there's a window, just the color or the material property, but there might be like other relative property, which, uh, uh, the, which would be useful. So for example, if there are a lot of windows in the same floor, what's the total amount of window area, then we can do like percentage fenestration and maybe daylight analysis or prediction. Like those like metadata is uh, is somewhat I, I couldn't find in uh, and uh, data set. So yes, like it, how, is like, it is true. It is true. And uh, we were thinking about this and also to add cost related information and um, different building performance parameters. Uh, but again, this is just the initial step and all the later steps obviously are needed for the efficient uh, 3D model generation. I see. And is it like a graph structure way of defining or like how, how would you define the sequential nature? Like, is it like a building to floor to window? Like, I think you can represent it as a graph because each building has its own volumes. Each volume has its own components and each, each of them has its own textures and other properties, right? Um, so yeah, you can definitely present it as a graph, but my way of defining it was more like a um, system of modules, modular structure. But graph is very, it is very precise definition, yes. Okay. And honestly, like I'm, I'm quite impressed uh, with the results because the data set looks quite uh, uh, realistic. Because I've seen like synthetic generators, which are like just rectangles and cuboids and with building, this is like more like uh, more feasible and realistic world like uh, data set generation. Mm -hmm. Yes, we have so, uh, many architects in the team. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> so you might have like mentioned this in the paper, but I, I would still I like to ask like, uh, what were the major challenges in cracking this workflow? Like what were like some errors or like define uh, like coding part, which were very challenging? Um, it was not very challenging. The only challenging part was that it was time consuming because there are many classes and many small modules, let's say components that need to be defined. The only, and um, well, the only difficult part in all this was the definition of how one module is attached to another one, how a component is attached to the volume, how the volumes are attached between them. But once you figure it out, it is basically one or two functions that are used in all the in all the pipeline in in the uh, Blender utils. Um, once you understand how to define it clearly, yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, which are, well, maybe these three. Um, Gancho is for is an Italian word uh, because I'm in Italy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and once you define these ones, you're you're pretty much done. And obviously the structure because it is like you said a graph and it is a very large graph, so it was needed to define this one. Otherwise, hmm. yeah, I I think like uh, the whole explanation. I'm I'm super clear and I'm sure pretty, pretty much all the viewers are now clear how the whole structure works, 
how the implementation works so thanks a lot for sharing the only thing i wanted to add is that there is um, another great project that is going on that maybe uh, someone would like to check also on the data set um, but it's not about synthetic data it's about the real data uh, of um, matthias del campo if i'm not wrong uh, and he's um, getting all the like crowdsourced data set of real models um, and um, I think it would be great to combine both the data sets because combination of real and synthetic data usually gives very good results and it's easier to make domain adaptation. So, um, yeah. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Like I, I saw a post recently, like there are two different types of data set uh, he wants to like crowdsource. So. Yes, yes. So if uh, anyone wants, uh, well, maybe there are people, architects who are watching this and uh, they're not too greedy about their architectural models and they want to share, it would be great if you guys shared and we can leave a link in the description, right? For sure. Mm -hmm. uh, now I would like to uh, like uh, ask a few questions about like uh, your future work, your thoughts on deep learning and advice. So, uh, What's coming next for you guys? Uh, the next stage, uh, I would believe, is to, first of all, we would want to extend this uh, for, uh, like, we will actually go on and show results on real world. Uh, right now, it's just a data set. So the aim would be to show that the, this data set can be used uh, to, first of all, train models. And then those models also show results on real world. That would be like the uh, overall arching aim uh, in the end. And also, I believe you know, we would like to try out uh, different other uh, upcoming uh, pipelines that are there. So if you see that uh, while we were building this, uh, in, the, in that time itself, Unity came out with the perception package. Uh, if, if you, uh, if you uh, I think, uh, maybe I can just share you the link or I can just uh, share my screen. So that perception package allows you to basically construct a scene in Unity, just like we did it in Blender. And then uh, it helps you automatically generate all kinds of 3D annotations that you want and with a GUI interface. So if you can, uh, the data set generation pipeline uh, will remain the same, but the annotation extraction will become much easier. And also because uh, Unity is a uh, is a better engine rendering engine than blender i think uh, that would uh, even speed up the process even more on a parallel project that i have with a with another group uh, i switched from blender to unity and that has been uh, a great boost in performance and also the perception package is coming of great use uh, so these are some things that we could look on because the, this area is moving on at a very fast pace so that is one thing that i can definitely think of and uh, yeah, that's that's my input. I think Stasia, what do you think? Uh, yes, I totally agree. Um, I was going to say to say something more or less the same. Uh, we are going to find the applications of um, of this data set in three D deep learning, and we have already been talking about the frameworks, the existing frameworks that exist now that could be the first ones to try on it and to to prove that uh, in we can use it in in the industry in ac in the eac industry like in the real working process and then obviously we're going to look into other phases not only the concept phase but also the other phases of the architectural design project to automate them as well i see and like I, I was, I'm also a bit following like Unity's like deep learning uh, side and uh, they have also good reinforcement learning packages and like CV packages, which are like uh, good modules to start integrating in the workflow. So definitely like, I think uh, as AEC, we could also look into this aspect and uh, take more advantages of it. And, if I'm not wrong, they also have like some live camera feed and like object detection as well uh, in Unity. So it's it's pretty interesting workflow. And uh, next question is like, what is another problem which you are interested in solving apart from like building data set generator? 
always in architecture and uh, 3D and deep learning, right? Like anything, like it's very general question. Like any problem which you are quite interested or passionate to solve. Okay, I'm very passionate about alternative protein. <laughs> I'm now following a course <laughs> on it, on how to, how people create artificial meat. And actually it is, what is great about people who study machine learning and deep learning and architects who study especially architects who studied, is that machine learning and deep learning can be used anywhere. They are very needed, very necessary skills that can be applied anywhere. And you as architect, as architects, you are uh, designers of a product. And this product can be anything. It can be made, it can be bioreactor, it can be building, it can be anything. And you can apply your knowledge anywhere you're passionate about. And I think this is great. Yeah, that's that's quite interesting because like I have seen a lot of architects also moving into UI UX field and uh, doing amazing work. So like it, the architecture teaches how to do research and like solves problem and architecting architecting a way to do it. So awesome. Yes, you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. yeah. What about you, Meher? Oh, I. I really don't have any particular thing. Uh, so right now what I am working on on a separate project is uh, I'm analyzing the um, analyzing social media data for uh, uh, conversations around COVID per se right now, the moment. And uh, the kind of super aim that I'm working on is basically being able to harness the social media conversation to be able to predict uh, a sudden surge somewhere, given that you have that is the kind of work I'm, this is our separate project, completely separate project work I'm working on. Yeah, I also started working in Goldman. Uh, and yeah, they do, uh, yeah, that's the thing. All of us do very different kind of work in our uh, lives as well. Uh, you have finance going on, then you have deep learning, and then you have uh, big data. Yeah, and I think it's Yeah, great congratulations because... on that. Okay, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry, go ahead, Stashi. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great that all of us have something something else going on apart from this project, and we all bring different inputs, and that's how our project uh, becomes better. Yeah, for sure. Like, and there are like so many different problems which uh, requires like uh, so, which needs resources and people to solve. So, and many times I have seen like people take inspirations from other industry and apply it in architecture, especially gaming and computer vision uh, industry. Like we find a lot of inspirations and like uh, we could integrate. So if we work in different domains, we, we see what's working in that domain and apply it in this domain. Yes, exactly. So for example, this building approach, this um, graph uh, approach as you called it, is actually partially taken from the gaming industry where there is this procedural generation where there are classes and there's this graph structure of a character or of anything. I see. Yeah. And uh, what is like, uh, what are some books which uh, you recommend or which were very impactful in your life? Mm, okay. Uh, I think it was thinking fast and slow. Um, definitely. Mm, let me think for a while. Maybe Meher, you know something. I'm I'm not a very avid reader. I, um, I I couldn't read much during my bachelor's. I just lost the habit. I was in uh had a lot of uh, I used to read a lot till my uh till I got into bachelor's. But I think uh, yeah, handling a cards with it, yeah, I lost my reading habit. Yeah, something I need to go. Any video? Oh, uh, videos. Mm. No, not really. I am not there. So I, I think I am. I am too early in my career to talk about yeah, uh, to uh, yeah. see inspirational videos, read inspirational books and stuff. I think I have to start now. Just got out of college. Yeah. I think maybe um, some anthropological books like Guns, Germs, and Steel that was very famous recently. That is something to help you develop this analytical skill set, and maybe some podcasts um, like. Oh, what I can definitely suggest um, is 80,000 Hours website and their podcast. 
which I don't know if you've heard about it, but it is something that uh, helps you define what you want to do in life and how to make impact, how to make a difference and why you want to do certain things and not others. Um, they also have a coaching program and an advice program, and it is just great, especially for people who want to make change, which I believe all the architects do. Oh, that's amazing. I'll definitely check it out. Are you sure? So, uh, <laughs> and uh, what is your piece of advice like for people who want who wants to do similar work? Um, you should devote all your time, all your free time, and all your not free time to what you want to do, um, and uh, never stop, never listen to people who tell you you can't do it. You can do anything, but you just need to put everything you can into what you're doing and obviously uh, it's also about making correct choices in life not only about how to spend your time but also uh, where to spend it to uh, because i've seen now there are several architectural programs that are that claim to be using uh, machine learning or ai um, which well it is great that something is starting here but these are not great programs they're uh, a bit weak and they don't give enough knowledge what the person should do, he should go and study it profoundly from, from the basic study math, statistics, and all the algorithms like a computer scientist would study. Maybe not go into hardware, not go into um, um, databases, no, but uh, just the part that you really want to uh, get into and uh, to focus on that. There are also many Thanks. online courses which are free and which are not free too. And, um, it just depends on what you want and how you're um, focused. Mm -hmm. uh, I would I would say that uh, a very practical advice here is that uh, if you're trying to go on, uh, if you're trying to something new, if you're trying a new project, do enough research about it first of all. Uh, try to uh, search all over the net what has been done in that same project or in the same field or in a similar field because a lot of times you find something that you can always build on or take inspiration from don't try to reinvent the wheel because this is something that i made a mistake uh we actually uh, ended up building something when we realized that we could have already used some existing pipeline to do so which was much more efficient we learned a lot in the process that's for sure but uh, uh that's uh, that was not our aim uh, our aim was to get that task solved and we could so yeah uh, do enough research uh, that is one thing uh, another thing is uh, yeah reach out to people that is uh, and people okay you might not get a response sometimes uh, or you might even get a negative response sometimes but uh, it's never it never hurts to send out a mail for help or uh, advice that has been uh, something that i that that i really liked and especially in the uh, in this community that we have let's say uh, like the computer science fair community that we have people are uh, very helpful and uh, responsive they'll at least let you know that you can search in this domain even if they're not able to help you directly gives you some direction mm -hmm. also if i can add one thing um which is something well maybe practical to you before working on something just um, you should understand what problem you're trying to solve so i mean it is very cool to generate building designs and uh, buildings like the hadid museum from uh, i don't know from uh, description or from just a random noise but then you need to think who needs it who will use it what problem does it solve and then understand where to spend your time and which problems you're actually actually want to solve in life yeah i think like that's a great piece of advice thanks a lot for sharing so my last question is um uh are there any like events or conference uh, you recommend people uh to visit which are like quite insightful in this domain uh yes yeah, graph uh simout um also isprs which is more about topography, but I've seen many great papers there too. And uh, the symposium of ge on geometry processing, which I attended um, a couple of weeks back, which was great too. I would add on, um, you can look at the conference called uh, 3DV, 3D Vision Conference. It's a computer vision conference that also has a lot of uh, 
if you want uh, delving into 3d vision and uh, there are a lot of data set papers as well there awesome sorry are you were, you were saying something or no no i, I was on okay cool uh, i just had a follow up question to mahesh point you said like um, do enough research uh, instead of reinventing the wheel and one thing which uh, i i see right now is like every day there are so many papers published in the deep learning community so like how how can one catch up to all this uh, upcoming developments um so yeah it's like we at some point you will need to accept the fact that you cannot be up to date with everything that's out there uh because it's uh, it's uh, too much to catch up upon you can obviously have an idea of what something is doing but uh, having an like knowing every like what's the what's there so even if even for nerf i'll uh, there is uh, the there is simply too much that has already come up uh, if you start today that's not uh, really so but yeah that that's not uh, that we shouldn't worry about that because uh, you should see what your aim is and then you should build up accordingly and you should it's better to stay focused in your niche but also be aware of what's happening but rather than being uh, uh, like take worry about not being not knowing everything that's out there awesome i think uh, that's it uh, from my side thanks a lot guys uh, it it was an amazing interview and like i learned a lot about the whole process and uh, thanks a lot for sharing your uh, journey and thoughts with us thank you so thank much you, for inviting us yeah thank you for inviting yeah yeah have a nice rest of your day and evening mm-hmm. see you guys have a great bye. day bye